serial killer, a person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive and typically following a characteristic, predictable behavior pattern. A person who carries out a series of murders. Serial murder, the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender, offenders, in separate events. Hello listeners, and welcome to Everywhere and Nowhere, a true crime podcast dedicated to reviewing cold cases, missing cases, and other true crime mysteries in a hope to shed light on the dark paths of criminal behavior. I'm your host, Grayson Snow. While today's episode is shorter than episode two, we will be covering several older cases that are known as alleged victims of Larry Hall. As we continue down the dark path of getting to know Larry Hall and his potential connection to the Springfield Three, we will be looking at connections and correlations of his victimology. We touch on the similarities to Trisha Reitler in Episode 1. In Episode 2, we detail the case and the series of patterns between information provided to the public regarding the Springfield Three and similarities to other alleged Larry Hall victims. As we continue to journey down this path, it's time to look at other similar cases, circumstances, and alleged victims of Larry Hall. And while I find it important to cover all these victims, I don't want to overwhelm you, the listener, with too much in one episode. So let's get started. August 29, 1981. Lebanon, Indiana, young Deborah Jean Cole disappears. And according to the Charlie Project, her last known whereabouts were her family home at approximately 11 a.m. However, she was not reported missing until August 31st by her mother. When Deborah went missing, she left all of her personal belongings inside her home and was never seen again. While her mother's live-in boyfriend was reportedly the last person to see her alive, as well as the main suspect. He passed away before any further details were ever substantiated. According to True Crime Diary, during an interview with Christopher Halley Martin, he stated that Larry DeWayne Hall admitted his killing started in 1981. And based on the location, Hall provided in Indiana and the year Martin determined the potential connection to Deborah Jean Cole. An attempt to do my due diligence in researching this case, there really wasn't much to be found. My assumption is that due to the age of the case and Deborah being treated as a runaway at that time instead of missing or abducted, there isn't too much to go by. I will say, I searched the NamUs site based on just females missing in 1981 
in Indiana, and Deborah Jean Cole is the only name that surfaced in the search. So assuming the date of 1981 is not just thrown out there for the sake of a false confession, then it does narrow the possibilities. Meaning, if Larry isn't making things up, then that is the only missing female from that time and that area. And if that is the case, here are the items that mimic other known cases associated to Larry Hall's alleged victim type. She's five foot three. She weighed approximately 115 pounds. She had light brown wavy hair. She disappeared without a trace and disappeared from her home and left all of her personal effects. June 4th, 1987. The day started out like most summer mornings do. A little cool around 60 degrees with a chance of temperatures hitting the lower 80s by early evening. It was the beginning of summer and as with most teenagers getting left alone at home for a few hours was common practice. Wendy Felton's parents had a business trip to attend and she was to stay home while her sister drove them part way to the airport. When her sister arrived back at the house around approximately 5 p.m., Wendy was nowhere to be found. All of her belongings, including her purse and her favorite sneakers, were left behind in her bedroom. On the Charlie Project website, I found one detail that seemed to be synonymous with the disappearances in the 80s. Wendy was initially listed as a runaway. I find this piece of information slightly disturbing in and of itself, that in the 80s, if a child went missing, they were automatically assumed a runaway. So here we are again with a young lady missing and having never been seen since. She too is five foot three to five foot five inches, weighing about 115 pounds and has brown hair. She also went missing from her home, leaving all her personal items behind, including her purse and favorite shoes. It stands to reason that if someone is going to run away, they would not leave all their personal effects behind, especially not a purse and a favorite pair of shoes. One other piece of information I gleaned from Christopher Martin's book, Urges. It mentions that since there was no sign of struggle, and it appears that a suitcase and some clothing were potentially missing. I found no other source to corroborate this detail I for sure will continue to search for this and will provide any update if I find anything further. September 2nd, 1988. Paulette Webster was headed home from a friend's house around 11 p.m. and was never seen since. She left behind all her personal belongings, including her clothes, purse, driver's license, and pet bird, dog, and cat. This report does not detail whether or not Paulette was suspected to ever have actually made it home, 
I tend to believe that she did, but no reports that I have been able to find indicate that she did. The Southern Illinoisian, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, newspaper on October 29th, 1989, I was able to glean that Paulette loved long dangling earrings. This was one of the only articles I found with details that were not on the Charlie Project site. I believe that due to the age of this case as well, there are not a lot of details to go by. It is mentioned on the Charlie Project website that her mother believed her to be anxious because her friends were getting pregnant and Paula believed a surgery she had had may have left her sterile. The website also mentions Larry Hall, the suspect, and in a letter written, if I did it, I would have put her in a river or in a field. In Paulette's case, here are some of the items that mimic other known cases associated to Larry Hall's preferred victim. She's four foot 11 to five foot. She weighed 110 pounds. She has short brown hair. We also have all of her personal items left behind and she has never been seen again. So in episode one, we find that Larry Hall himself during a confession to the police, after being caught, states, all the girls look alike. We have ventured into only four cases Larry Hall is allegedly associated with, alongside the Springfield Three case, and we have a clear present pattern emerging. Now, the endless questions begin. If these women are potential victims of Larry Hall, and we are now seeing a pattern in victimology, how many other potential patterns are there hidden in the details of these individual missing unsolved cases? One piece of the Springfield Three case that stood out to us. We hear in several articles that Stacy McCall was potentially in only her t-shirt and underwear when she left the home. In the Trisha Reitler case, it is noted that her jeans, shirt, and shoes were found in a field neatly folded. Are the similarities between these two cases an underlying pattern? Does the Paulette Webster case open up a new possible MO of abduction? How is no one else seeing these patterns? and at least the body type. If this person has been hunting young women since 1981, that means he went 13 years killing and getting away with it. How? Was Stacy McCall his intended victim or could it have been Susie, which means there is a potential other pattern hidden in these cases? What if Susie was the initial target, then Hall saw Stacy and could not resist any longer? What if Hall had an accomplice, and the two young women, seen together that evening, made the abduction an urge neither Hall or his accomplice could contain? 
If there is an accomplice or accomplices associated to Hall, could there be other cases that have some differences that the accomplice may have created in his MO? What if Hall was the accomplice to someone else and they are still free killing? Could Larry just be the fall guy because he was easily manipulated? There has to be more available, more details, and most of all, more patterns to find. In correlation to the Springfield 3 case, anyone who has ever heard the story knows. The fact that it appears there was no struggle and their personal effects were left behind is often focal point. That, along with the fact that out of the five cases we have reviewed, there are a total of seven women who have literally disappeared without a trace and have been missing for more than 40 years total. On several sources, it mentions that he is potentially connected to over 40 possible victims. 40 victims over 13 years is approximately three victims a year. My personal opinion is this number is most likely far greater than 40 and that there is possibly little to no way we will ever know how many or where many of these victims may be. Larry Hall's pastime of traveling to Civil War reenactments has taken him all across the U.S. over many years. How many missing women fit his alleged preferred victim type and maybe other potential missing women that family and friends have not seen or heard from in years? It is astonishing the number of victims there may be that no one is even aware of being a potential Larry Hall victim. We have barely scratched the surface of alleged victims of Larry Hall, as well as we've barely broached the tip of the iceberg that is Larry Hall. And we have clear and present patterns emerging that for some reason seem to be completely ignored. On True Crime Diary, it states that there are two other potential cases within Missouri that Hall and a possible accomplice are associated with, both occurring in 1991. This article on True Crime Diary also dives into Hall's alleged confession on how he is associated with the Springfield Three. This article was published in 2012, just a few years after the Springfield police were mentioned as having potentially ruled Larry Hall out as a suspect. During our research, we were unable to find any details as to whether the Springfield Police Department had in fact ruled out Larry Hall in the Springfield 3 case. We also have had so little success with getting any information from the Springfield Police that we were not surprised when we could not find any details. I want to pause right here for a moment because 
I really struggled with writing today's episode. And if I'm being honest, there are a few reasons. We started this podcast with the full intent of trying to look into the Sprinkle 3 case from an alternative perspective, of course. To do so, we really needed to spend time researching the alleged victims of Larry Dwayne Hall to find correlations, a pattern, if you will, as I mentioned in episode one and two. As the details unfold before me, I am personally becoming overwhelmed with the thought that so many of these families have lived an entire lifetime without their loved ones. The intent of these episodes are to just examine the details and potential correlations of the case to others. The intent here is not to bring the family or friends any additional grief or pain. While many of these cases are older, that does not discount the families who have lived with these tragedies for an entire lifetime. With that said, as a listener, please be mindful of these families and their grief. We live in a world with enough hatred and evil. If by looking into these possible victims, we could potentially give any family, even just one, an answer to the whereabouts or details with some answers, we will have done a greater thing than the sum of ourselves. We will walk through these dark paths each and every episode until we have exhausted potential correlations and patterns. And when it is all said and done, you as a listener, tell me what you think. If you or someone you know may have a theory about these cases, please feel free to email the podcast at everywhere and nowhere to be found at gmail.com. I hope you continue with us through these narrow paths in the hopes to find some answers somewhere. Our next episode, we will discuss Larry Hall as a whole and plausible similarities between other cases and the Springfield Three. Again, I just want to say thank you for listening to Everywhere and Nowhere, a true crime podcast. I hope you continue listening and enjoy. I'm your host, Grayson Snow. Sources for this episode include the Springfield Newsletter, Christopher Martin's book, Urges, a Chronicle of Serial Killer Larry Hall, Google Dictionary, dictionary dictionary.com, NamUs, FBI.gov, podcast The Springfield Three, A Small Town Disappearance, The Charlie Project, truecrimediary.com, as well as the podcast Vanished, The Indianapolis Star, and The Southern Illinoisan Newspaper. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time on Everywhere and Nowhere, True Crime Podcast. This episode of Everywhere and Nowhere was written by individuals who wish to remain anonymous. It has been read and edited by me, your host, Grayson Snow. 
This podcast is a Mouse Murder Productions LLC creation.